This is Creative Mornings, a new podcast showcasing the global creative community. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code GOODMORNING at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hey, welcome to the Creative Mornings Podcast. This is Matt, and I think this week's episode is a good time to give you a little insight into my process. The way I approach every episode is by listening to the raw audio of the talk. That seems obvious, right? I take my time with it because these were all videos before they fell in my lap. So I've got to edit out anything that wouldn't make sense to a podcast listener. While I'm listening to these talks, I take notes. The notes turn into a script, and the script becomes a series of bullet points that I then just craft into thoughts before I record. It's the classic write, edit, rewrite, and all that. So my point is when I opened my notes to start tracking today's episode, I only had one thing written down. And that thing was, holy minimalism, with about seven exclamation points. Minimal was the Creative Morning's global theme in June of 2014. And that's where this week's episode takes us. Here's Creative Mornings founder and New York City chapter host, Tina Roth-Eisenberg. Our themes are picked by the hosts, not by us at HQ. And I remember when I first saw the theme of minimalism, it just hit me. It was like, that is so Anthony, that is so Squarespace. And she was absolutely right. The talk we're featuring this week is called The Process of Minimalism from Anthony Casalena. He's the founder and CEO of Squarespace, a do-it-yourself website company that in recent years has seen great success, but it was started over 10 years ago because Anthony needed a website for himself. It's one of these magical entrepreneur stories. You know, he started Squarespace in his dorm room because he saw the need of an easy way to create websites. I just love these stories where somebody sees a need and just starts fixing the need. And then now look, what is it, like 11 years later, 10 years later, he runs a huge, super well-respected company here in New York. He's never had another job other than running his own company, which alone, that is just so impressive. And what I was most impressed by in referencing my notes earlier, or I should say single note, was how he was asked to speak on a theme. That theme, as I've already mentioned, was minimal. And in doing so, He dissects the different definitions. He concludes that it's a process, and then he shares his real-life experience. And he does it all in under 20 minutes. Everything he does, he just does it with such perfectionism. Anthony will make such a good Swiss. That's what I kept thinking when I was here that morning. (laughs) So we hope you enjoy this insight from someone who understands the hard work that goes into making something look simple. Just keep in mind, this is from June of 2014, so Anthony references some older versions of Squarespace, and here's Anthony Casalina on The Process of Minimalism. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, it, is, it is pretty early, and you guys have made the interesting choice of uh, choosing to hear me speak about minimalism at what is pretty close to 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. So uh, this should be interesting. Um, So for those of you who don't know, Squarespace, uh, I'm just going to give a quick run through. 
Uh, we're a creative tools company. Um, Squarespace was founded because I wanted to make a website for myself. Uh, I started it, as Tina said, in my dorm room. Um, and we really build things for ourselves. And so I think a lot of why um, Tina's asking me to come here and talk about minimalism is kind of the, the way this product looks and, and how it feels and what people are able to create with it. Um, we're a company of about 300, headquartered in downtown Manhattan. We're in the Soho area. And we have a ton of uh, creatives and engineers, and it's, uh, it's a really amazing place. Um, so when I was first asked to talk about this topic, I will admit that I did not exactly know what was meant by minimalism. And I found myself um, a couple weeks ago at a, uh, at a bar in Brooklyn. It was in, uh, it's outside of, it's in Bedside actually, it's called Dynaco. Uh, and I was there with my girlfriend and uh, she works a lot with artists and we were there for an artist's birthday. And so we thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to throw out the concept of minimalism to a couple of artists and see what they have to say about it? Um, just sort of not even telling them that I was even gonna be speaking about this. So we throw the concept out there, and there's this sort of rabid attack, if you will. Uh, it really evoked a, a quite, a, quite a response. I mean, one, one went as far as to say he was a maximalist. Uh, some other people <laughs> said that's boring, that's terrible. And you know, it, it kind of evoked two thoughts for me. Um, one was, it was apparent to me that you know, these artists... It, the, the concept of minimalism, they weren't subscribing to be called minimalists. They were being grouped as minimalists. And they were, they were sort of reacting to that and saying, hey, what does that even mean? Why, why am I part of this group? And, you know, that's, that's a little bit how I felt uh, when I was asked to do this. I was sort of like, minimalism? What do you mean? Am I what? You mean like black and white? Like that sort of stuff? And I think that minimalism, if if approached in the wrong way, if it's approached mostly in an aesthetic sense, can give people sort of the wrong reaction. And I think when most people think of minimalism, they think of something like this, this is a Robert Rauschenberg painting. Um, and they think of, you know, the white canvas hanging in a gallery and, and perhaps the artists go, you know, that's stupid. <laughs> I can do that, right? And I think what people don't realize is you know, if you're actually the first person to do something like this and you actually have a point, um, it's not really just about the aesthetic. He, he's placing this here because uh, the concept behind it is to, to have a canvas appear as in a pristine form, as if it hasn't been touched. It just sort of arrived on the planet. So if you were to just copy this and put your own canvas in a gallery with nothing on it without copying the point, it would be pretty stupid. Um, so my key, my key message, my key thought, after exploring the concept of minimalism for a while, is that minimalism is a process. It's not an aesthetic. And you can see that exemplified here in uh, Picasso's Bulls, for those, of you, for those of you who are familiar with this, you know, abstracting from a very concrete-looking bull, removing lines, removing things, all the way to, on the right, a, essentially a single line that even a child could identify as a bull. And it's really that process that I think 
is the important thing to take away from minimalism if you want to look at it as a topic. And so today, I'm going to share a couple of different stories from my life, a couple of different stories from Squarespace um, that I think embody some of this process. And uh, hopefully they can be a little bit instructive and, and, and interesting when exploring this concept. So the first story comes from a long time ago. It comes from, so, so right now we have, uh, we have Squarespace 6 online, which I think if a lot of you have been familiar with Squarespace in the past two years, this is the, this is the very modern product that you see. This is the, the very beautiful full screen imagery sort of thing. Um, but if you rewind a long time ago, Squarespace has been around for 10 years, um, before Squarespace 6, before Squarespace 5 even, we, we had a publishing product. And Squarespace 4, if you took a look at it, was great for the time, but it wasn't, it wasn't the product that you guys, you, you guys see today. And so Squarespace 5 was born from a very particular event. And it was born... so so. Back in our office, we had probably seven people in the office at the time. Um, we had a to-do list on the wall. And the to-do list had you know, the top priorities to work on. And I actually love the to-do list. My favorite thing to do as a total dork would be to come in on weekends and program things off the to-do list and surprise everyone uh, on Monday with like, oh, look what we got done. That's amazing, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember going away for... Um, for the holiday break, I, I live in Maryland. I went home to Maryland and did nothing, yeah. <laughs> and did uh, and did pretty much nothing for a week. Um, I remember coming back to work, and I remember coming back to the office. Or coming in, looking at to do list, and going, I just don't want to do anything on this list. I don't want to do a single thing on this list. I don't care about this list anymore, and I erased the entire list. So the whole board's gone. It's white. And I think that what I was kind of doing there as a feeling was saying, I just don't know if these things are really the most important things to work on anymore. And if they are important, they'll come back, right? They'll come back. And I think that kind of the, the essence of this story is that sometimes... Um, it's very, very hard to reduce things. It's very hard to see the essence of things if you're confronted with all of these short-term priorities. You can very easily get locked uh, into a path. And so it was very instrumental in producing Squarespace 5 to just erase that list. And then what did I do after I erased the list? I went and played around with JavaScript and like worked on tooltips in the system of all things. And you go, well, how, how does that lead to Squarespace 5? Revising one thing made the rest of the system look bad. It helped me understand what the power of JavaScript was. And so we ended up redoing the entire interface and creating Squarespace 5, which was a formative, formative uh, thing in the company, something that we would have never done if I had left that list on the board. The next thing to think about is that once you've sort of cleared your mind and, and can you know, at least let other ideas emerge, uh, one of the things that we do a lot in Squarespace is we simplify things for people. And simplification is, reduction is somewhere in the concept of minimalism. And so this is a wine store. I forget the exact name of the wine store. I found it on uh, Google Image Search. But it embodies perfectly what, 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 what I'd like to talk about, 
which is that I think we've all had the experience of, you know, being before a party or something like, oh, yeah, go pick up some wine. And you go, like, go to the wine store. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do? Read the descriptions, like go for the one the guy recommends. I have no clue how to pick a wine in this context. There are thousands and thousands of options. Um, not particularly user-friendly, not particularly helping me if you think about the way I actually decide on wine. Contrast this with the wine list at Schiller's Liquor Bar on the Lower East Side. We have some very simple concept. We have some very simple options here. We've got cheap, decent, and good. What is this doing? This is paying attention to how people select things. You're either going to go cheap, everyone else goes in the middle, or maybe you'll treat yourself. Maybe you'll go with the really good stuff. So that in its essence, is the concept of reducing, it's, it, it's minimalism at its core, right? It's, it's reducing things to the concept of how someone decides on wine, but no further. They don't have just one option on the list, they have three. And so it's worth talking about this because in the context of Squarespace, we really try and do this too. We actually only have about 25 templates. And you could wonder, well, how, how can Squarespace get away with only having 25 templates? Some of their competitors have 20,000 templates. Well, when you really look, when you really go out there and look, and you try and make a portfolio template, and, and, and Josh, Josh Kill on our team, his director of platform, does this when he, when he approaches a portfolio template for the first time, he looks at thousands and thousands of portfolios. And when you look at thousands and thousands of options, you end up realizing that there's only very few iconic designs in there. And so boiling things down and getting to the essence of those designs is really one of the things we strive to do on templates. So when we look at a template, we think of that as just an architecture for your information. It should feel no more confining than a book does to an author. The authors look at books and go, oh, my story, it's too good for two covers in these pages and chapters. No, that's a good way of presenting information. And so we try and do that with what we do. And that can, can, within those constraints, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of sites on the system right now have evolved. And when you look at these, and these are, these are, a lot of them are famous people, these don't look like they come from templates, right? And so why doesn't everyone do this? Why doesn't everyone just reduce things to the essence? Um, I think the answer is because it's really, really, really hard and time-consuming. This is, a, uh, this is a book called The Seven Basic Plots by a guy named Christopher Booker. He's reduced essentially all plots in literature down to uh, seven different concepts. Rags to riches, the quest, voyage and return, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he worked on this book for 34 years, according to the Wikipedia uh, article, which is mind-blowing. So you've got all these stories, but to reduce it down to seven, seven key essences took 34 years. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Another quote, one of my favorites. Uh, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. Anyone who is in business in any way knows the pain of receiving a very long, unthought-out letter where somebody is basically dumping the thought process completely onto you. Um, and so that's, that's rough. <laughs> um, so you know, reducing things to their essence, very, very difficult, very time-consuming process. And there's one more, there's one more story, um, and it has to do with a little-known uh, product that evolved inside Squarespace uh, named Anchor. And 
there was a time inside the company. This was probably, it's probably five years ago. Uh, it was before Squarespace 6. It was after Squarespace 5. We had a team of maybe 12, 14 people. And I was very, very involved with the product. I was very involved with the design still. I was making like a lot of it. And I took a step back from the company and said, okay, I'm going to let the team work on Squarespace, the core problem of Squarespace. Excuse me. And what I'm going to do is go and play a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around with new technologies, and I'm going to try and play and solve a problem that I see the team having. And they had a collaboration problem, right? Um, again, five years ago, six years ago, there's no Google Docs. There's no, you know, Jira bug tracking systems are much more complex than they are. Not that Jira's not complex, but much more complex than they are today. And so what I, what I did is I said, okay, let's let these guys work on Squarespace. I'm going to take a step back. And I'm going to work on uh, a, a new product for team collaboration. It's called Anchor. And I'll show it very briefly. Um, I was actually in an interview a week or two ago, no, a month ago, month or two ago, um, with uh, Kevin Rhodes for his foundation podcast. And he, he brought this up because he remembers seeing it so long ago. So this is a completely flat interface. It uses WebSockets. It uses CSS3, all these transitions. No one had ever really put these things together into a product before. And it looks modern even today. You've got chat on the right, uh, people's faces lighting up when they're, when they're interacting with the app, fading back otherwise, sort of this knowledge base that has very distinct formatting. Um, there were project management things and to-do list things that are pretty, pretty innovative, pretty cool. And so I kept working on this. And Anchor ended up becoming something that when Squarespace was looking for investment a long time ago, uh, becoming something that people who were supposed to be very good at giving advice really fell in love with. VCs would say, wow, that could be another company. That's amazing. Actually, why don't I invest in both these things? We'll give you millions of dollars for that. And what ended up being a slow but painful realization was that I actually only had the capacity to focus on one thing. And I could not devote, I, you know, Squarespace, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, they got it, it's fine. But really, my creative energy could really only go into one project. And it became more and more painfully obvious as the months went by. This wasn't like a quick realization. And again, everyone's giving me pretty much the worst advice ever, which is to run both of these things at the same time, which I can assure you, if I tried to do uh, for much longer, I wouldn't be here talking with you today. Um, and so at the time of Squarespace's investment, um, I shut this down completely, closed it, turned the server off, code basically deleted, zipped it up into a zip file, never to be looked at again, not even in version control. And my point in bringing this up is that it's actually really painful to throw things away. It's painful to end things. And usually, the things you're throwing away aren't bad ideas. Sometimes they're really, really good ideas. And Anchor was a really good idea. And it's gone. And it has to be gone, because otherwise, I would not have been able to focus on Squarespace and build it into something bigger. And so. Just to recap a couple of these concepts, because they really all do uh, build into minimalism, and I think that the, 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 the process of minimalism, and I think that without these concepts, Squarespace would not be here. 
so the first point, very simply from, from the first anecdote, is just clearing your head, right? Erasing the whiteboard so that you can see uh, what might be out there that you might be missing. The other concept is to, to get to the essence of things, right? You could have 20,000 templates, or you could have 20. You could write a long letter, you could write a short one. That's a process that's really difficult. And the third concept from the last anecdote is to throw out good ideas. It's easy to throw out bad ideas, but to throw out really good ones is hard. And so I think, I think of all things, those have uh, been three really good guiding principles for Squarespace. And to tie it all back to minimalism, um, yeah, I believe that minimalism is a process. It's not an aesthetic. It's not, an, it's not black and white. It's the thoughtfulness that goes into creating these things. So thank you, guys. And one more thing you all have name tags on that describe something that's in your apartment that should be thrown away, but you haven't done it yet. So I would encourage you all after the talk, when you go home, throw that thing away and declutter and move forward. Thank you, guys. Anthony took a few questions, and we'll get to those in a minute. But first, let's take care of the business thing. And this week's episode is made possible by Squarespace. This time around, I wanted to speak to someone who not only made their own site with Squarespace, but someone who builds others as well. I'm Jenny Schwartz. I have a graphic and web design studio in New York City, and I am a Squarespace specialist. Jenny, who spells it with an I, by the way, has been building sites for people for a number of years. But when she started using Squarespace, it was because she was in kind of a tough position. My mother-in-law asked me to build her a website. So that was the times when I was literally coding everything from scratch and it took a really long time and I was wasting a lot of time. I mean, you can't really charge your mother-in-law. <laughs> At that point, I was looking for a way to cut my time a lot and do something easy and inexpensive and just get it up there. And I did some research and I found Squarespace. As a designer, Jenny suddenly found herself with the time to focus on the details. Because Squarespace is so user-friendly and so easy and you really don't need so much coding knowledge, you could really focus on content strategy, you could focus on the client's brand. And because the Squarespace user interface is so friendly, when Jenny's job is done, she can let the client take over. I feel really, really comfortable handing the site over to them to make content changes. They don't need to be computer geeks like we are to be able to change the content on their website and keep it fresh. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use offer code GOODMORNING to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So let's get back to the question and answer session with Anthony Casalena. And he does a really good job of repeating the questions, so I'm just going to sit back and let him handle it. The question was, when do you know when to throw away a good idea? Um, I mean, that one's hard. Uh, <laughs> right? That, that's the whole trick. Um, I think that, so there was one point that I was actually trying to weave into this talk that I wasn't able to weave in, which is something that I think I've learned later in my life as a programmer and a designer that everyone kind of screws up in the beginning and gets, gets better at later on, which is that I think when you're early in your career, you can start with your tools too much instead of starting with the idea. 
So you open up Photoshop and design your way out of a problem, or you open up your code editor and you know, start playing around with code, but you don't really know what you want to create. And I think that the, the, the concept in throwing Anchor away was that I was really just trying to pick the very best of the ideas and discard everything else that really wasn't going to build to it. And so Anchor wasn't going to build to making Squarespace a better success, so I went with that one. And it, it's hard, right? I mean, how many people have been designing a presentation? It happened when I was designing this. And you have one slide that's like so good. You know, it's so good. It's like your favorite point. And you keep working on the presentation, and that slide doesn't fit anymore. And you just want to hold on to it, right? You just want it in the presentation, and it, it just doesn't fit. So if you've got the key goal in mind, whatever that may be, I think that should be used to discard the things around it. Yeah, so the question is, uh, when did I realize that Squarespace was a great idea, and was it ever a bad idea? I think at times it was an unimpressive idea. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I started just trying to build a website for myself. Um, I think, so Squarespace wasn't started because I wanted a business, by the way. I actually was just building a website for myself. And um, in my dorm in the University of Maryland, a friend actually came in a couple months into it, and I was, like, showing off and, like, you know, showing him what I made. And he was like... Oh, I'll give you $200 for that. That's great. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's not worth $200. It's ridiculous. Um, but I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, huh. Other people have this problem. You know, they have the problem that I had. And so it really, it really grew from that. What's our process in removing things from the product even now uh, when we know something doesn't fit? Uh, one of the biggest iterations that happened to Squarespace is between Squarespace 5 and Squarespace 6. They're actually completely separate code bases. Um, a very uh, risky move for a company of any size to basically rewrite their product. I guess this is another big one. That's not a small one. Hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that, again, when, when things are not part of the main goal of what you envision the thing to be, it, it's useful to just just put them aside as you move forward. But there's no hard rule. Yeah, the question is essentially how has smartphone usage impacted the initial goal of Squarespace and you know, how has that changed our lives? Um, we're really lucky in the sense that we built Squarespace 6. We started it three and a half, four years ago, which is after the iPhone came out. And so there was never a question when we were building that, that every single site had to work perfectly on every screen size. So we just started there. Um, as opposed to Squarespace, and was one of the reasons for discarding Squarespace 5, actually, is um, that that wasn't built in a world where the iPhone was even going to come out for another five years. And so, um, in a way, Squarespace, in, in contrast to a lot of other publishing platforms out there, is, is really a content management system. And, um, you know, if we have your content and it's modeled properly, we don't care if you're viewing it on a phone or a tablet or a computer or an, in an app or anywhere, really. Um, and you can actually see that embodied with uh, products we have, like the uh, Squarespace Portfolio app, which isn't a website at all. It's a native app. And it syncs with all of your Squarespace content once it's on our site. So um, you know, in a, way, in a way, the whole mobile thing and responsive thing has helped us because we spend in unbelievable amount of money on every one of those themes in, in, in the form of people's time and expertise. And because we have such a large developer base, we can make each one of those really, really good. 
as opposed to, you know, and there's only 25 of them as opposed to if we had hundreds of them and, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't get it right. So, um, yeah, when it was created, our focus, content management system and huge, hugely engineering led company mean that it, it's, it's been good for us. What is, what is my feeling, recovery process after giving up a great idea? Back to the first slide. I'm at the bar in Brooklyn now. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's usually very liberating, actually. Uh, it, it feels very good, in a way, to kind of um, close, the, close the chapter on something. And it just frees your mind to, to do so many other things. I think too often people try and leave too many doors open at once in their life. And they're just afraid of closing. They're afraid of losing optionality. Um, there's a great, uh, I forget if she's speaking at a, she's speaking at a conference. I don't think it's a commencement address, but it's an Ariana Huffington thing of all people. Um, but she's talking about going on a ski trip. She's talking about going on ski trips and she's talking about how, um, you know, at some point in her life, she was like, I am never going to learn how to ski ever. And I'm sick of feeling guilty about this. So I'm going to go on your trip with you guys and I'm never doing that. And I'm just going to chill out and have a drink and sit in the lodge. And I love this. And it's like, it's that, that, that feeling she's getting to there where it's like, no, I'm closing that door. That door's done. It's a good one, but it's not for me. I'm done. So it should feel liberating. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can browse the complete archives at creativemornings.com. And I just want to add that each time Creative Mornings announces their themes, they also share an illustration to go along with it. The illustration for Minimal in June of 2014 is one of my absolute favorites, and it's from a designer named Andrew Nyer. So when you find yourself over on the website, just search for Minimal. It's pretty cool. Many thanks to everyone who has sent us a voice memo this season. Each week we ask what it means to you to lead a creative life. And this week, our submission comes from Joy Marie Parker in Brooklyn, New York. Living a creative life to me means exploring the unknown. It means constant evolution. What I like this year might be completely different from what I like and want to do next year. And that's okay. Living a creative life also means treating mistakes like lessons instead of setbacks and allowing myself permission to be wrong. It means being curious about the world around me and maintaining a childlike sense of wonder about everything that happens. Send in your answers to podcast at creativemornings.com. Next week, we go back to the theme of chance with Steve Larazillier. He's the president and founder of Stoked, a development organization for underserved youth. That itch and feeling of when you know that you should be doing something more with your life, you should be doing it. You're doing yourself and the universe and your community and your family a disservice if you play small. Our thanks to Anthony Casalena and everyone at Creative Mornings. This episode was produced and edited by S. Mateo with sound engineering, mixing, and original score by Devin C. Johnson at Little Library Studios in collaboration with S. Mateo Music. This week's rooster comes courtesy of Stefano in Montreal, and you can follow us on Twitter at Creative Morning. Remember, it's singular. Just use hashtag PodcastCM when you tweet at us. For a complete archive of talks or just to get involved, go to creativemornings.com. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening.
cock-a-doodle-doo en français.